go. Welcome to Minion Sonship Live today. Here we go. Another message, another message. And it always seems right before the camera goes on, it's that sensation of thrill, exhilaration, and complete overwhelming uh, thought of, uh, what was the title again? So we do have a title, and the title is Research. The Lord spoke this word to me um, later in the afternoon yesterday, Research. I had to actually look it up. And uh, and then he qualified it thereafter once the name was given, research, and it was awaken from sleep. Awaken from sleep. And then he went a little further and he said, allow resurrection to be seen in you. Allow the resurrection life of Christ to be seen in you. So today we are resurging. Today we are pressing reset full mode, full throttle, uh, full speed ahead. Today, we are recognizing ourselves after the spirit men. Today, we're acknowledging one reality, and that's the reality of Christ within us. And so we are waking up as a body of Christ to righteousness. We are waking up as a body of Christ to who we truly are. We are coming in line with divine purposes for the hour. We're coming in line with divine intentions and um, plannings that God has before the foundations of the world foreknown and foreordained. And so here we are, here we are in the crucible of time. Here we are. And there's only one reality that we are after, and that is Christ. Christ is our reality. Romans 8, we'll start from Romans 8. And then I have a few verses and let's follow the lead of the Holy Ghost. Research, verse 9, Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh. All slumber, all deep sleep, death actually resides in the flesh. But we are in the spirit. Awakeness is of the spirit. Aliveness is of the spirit. Resurrection life is of the spirit. And so we are not, not now not of the flesh, but we are of the spirit and we are in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you and he does, he does. He dwells in us. We've been endued with power from above. We have allowed him to take residence in us because we have acknowledged the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now we are in the spirit. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. He's not God's. But we do have the spirit of Christ and we are God's. And if Christ is in you, and Christ is in me, Christ is in you. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive. So when we talk about research, we're talking about the life of the spirit that we're in now. All resurgence, all reviving, all awakening and reawakening is of the spirit of life. Because life is in the spirit. The spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him, this is 11, who raised Jesus from the dead. 
who resurrected our Lord Jesus Christ, if that spirit lives in you, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give a life, will quicken your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Through his spirit who dwells in you. I wanted to look at the definition of resurge, and I looked a few dictionaries here. One of them is to rise again. Resurge is to rise again. Another one, resurge is to undergo a resurgence, and resurgence is a rise again into life. A rising again into life. Activity or preeminence. An arising. Another translation, or sorry, another definition of resurge is to rise again as from virtual extinction. The body of Christ can never go into extinction, but we can definitely look like we've been on mute for a while. And God is about to unmute. Actually, it's been going on. There has been a great unmuting in the body of Christ. There's been a great reviving. There's been a great upsurgence. Words nearby to resurge, these are synonyms. One of them is actually resurrect. Resurrect, resurrection, resupply, resurface. Another one is pretty much what I just said, to rise again as if from the dead. And I've got a bunch of synonyms. One is revival, awaken, reanimate. There is a reanimation of the body of Christ. There is newness of life that is stirring all of us up. A quickening, restore, resurrect, rise. Another one is see the light, resurges. See the light, see the light today. See the light of Christ within you today. And so from here, let's go. Actually, no, we're not done. Uh, the next verse, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, so since we have this spirit of resurrection Really, spirit of resurgence, spirit of reviving, spirit of quickening. We have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ within us. Now our bodies are indwelled with life. Now our bodies are animated with life. Now our bodies that were mortal are filled with the life of God. And so verse 12, therefore, brethren... We are debtors, but not to the flesh. We owe the flesh nothing. But what are we indebted to do before God? It is to live it is not to live according to the flesh, but to live according to the spirit. And so we have a, a, an ability and, and, and a desire now to live in the spirit. When we become born again, I remember with my new birth, the next big thought is like uh, coming across different messages of the Holy Spirit. And I had a desire to know what it was to live in the Spirit. What was it like to live in the Spirit? And at some point, I remember I had some weird thoughts of it being mystical in nature, it being... Um, 
a supernatural in a way of really not attainable supernatural. But the more I read the word is when you abide in the word and the word is spirit and the word is life, it is creating a lifestyle of the supernatural that my abiding in the word is bringing forth a mighty transformation that is of the Holy Ghost that is transforming me from a natural habitual entity to a supernatural flowing divine entity of God on earth. So no more is my life stagnant and dead and, and dormant, but now I have a quickening that is of the Holy God. God, God, I have a quickening that is of the Spirit, and this quickening is producing life in me, and thus it's producing life in many others. Because we are, we know this, a life-giving spirit. And so our indebtedness not to live according to the flesh in verse 13, because we know if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if we live according to the spirit, then the Holy Ghost, look at verse 13, the tail end, puts to death the deeds of the body. And because there's a mortifying of our flesh, you live. That verse finishes with, you will live. And so life is found, the life of the Spirit is found in the Holy Spirit, not in your carnal man. You can't touch God with your carnal man. You can't understand God with your carnal mind. You can't commune with the Holy Spirit and fellowship with the Spirit of truth with your carnality that by the Spirit is being mortified, brought to naught. And as we walk in the Spirit, then we're not gratifying the desires of the flesh. And so when we talk about a resurgence, it's really an awakening to who we are. A resurgence is coming out of the stupor of the dullness of the world that we find ourselves stuck in at times into a life of resurrection, a life that is from above, a life that is electrified by the Holy Ghost. Resurge is like a brand new surge of life. It is like a, a brand new charge. Even as we pray in the Holy Spirit, there is an edification that's happening in our spirit, man, that we are becoming quickened with joy and we're becoming quickened with hope and we're becoming quickened with vigor and boldness and we're becoming quickened with expectation of only goodness. We're becoming quickened. We are really recharging and resurging with the very life of God that when those that look on us they will like see nothing dead about us because we don't owe the flesh anything because death and dormancy and 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 imp it, uh, the opposite of productivity the opposite of productivity is what in productivity unproductive unproductive lifestyle the unproductive lifestyle that avails nothing is of the flesh. And that's what, that's the words of Jesus, that the flesh avails nothing. But what profits us in John 6 is, is the spirit. So we be productive for God. So we bear fruit for God. And that is of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the book of Acts now. Acts is before Romans, right? Acts chapter 3. 
This is Peter and John healing the lame man and stirring up the crowd and upsetting the Pharisees. He gives a speech, and in that speech, if we go to Peter, uh, this is Peter speaking in um, 3.17. Let's start 17. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. That's regarding crucifying the Lord of glory. You did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold, those things which God preordained, those things that God has planned by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So though you did things in ignorance, there was a fulfilling of a divine ordinance. Isn't that amazing? That the plans of God, the ordinances of God, and this is really what we are awakening to, that there is a plan that is being wrought even now, right now, and many are caught partaking and doing the plan of God out of ignorance. So why are you going to be upset? Was Peter upset at them? No, he was always saying, thank you for fulfilling the plan of God, buddy. That's the perspective. That is the, the resurgence of a brand new site where you can survey the landscape and say, all things are working for my God. All things are coming together for my good. All things are lining up with this which God has preordained. All things. And so why? I'm not going to fuss about it. Why? Because there's a plan that even those that are working in ignorance are fulfilling a divine plan of glory for my life. For my life, this is the very moment of, of, of John and Peter walking and a miracle is wrought by their hands. They just touch that man and say, silver and gold do I have? I, I have none, but that which I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And so what happened? The man just leaped. He leaped. What a moment. Peter and John were not sad about that moment. They were actually thrilled. A major miracle happened. This man was lame from birth. Like he's been there from his mother's womb. He has been carried lame man. And a major miracle happens. That's not the time when they would have been upset. Why did you kill Jesus? Scripture had to be fulfilled. He had to die so the Holy Ghost be released on the day of Pentecost. And now by the power of God as Jesus lives, we live here on earth and mighty workings of divine miracles happen through us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ in this hour. So why are we going to be upset? All things are working together for my good. All things. And that is the awakening to know that I am on top of the matter. I am from above and I have a perspective that is not carnal of the world. Because carnal of the world does not understand the plan of God. Carnal of the world is in pure ignorance to the plan of God. They thought... They thought those that crucified the Lord of glory, they were doing a, a work to silence 
this new movement of Christ on earth. Only, only to bring forth a mighty awakening. Only for the Holy Ghost to come and revive and fill up and work miracles in that name. Because the verse right above it, right above it, let's say, verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses in his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see now yes the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. <laughs> and that's when he says, but now I know. You did it out of ignorance, but all along there was a plan that was being worked. All along God was unmoved. All along the Father knew, even when Jesus cried to his Father, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken me? The Father wasn't moved because there was a plan that was being worked out for the body of Christ to be given birth and expression into the world. That we can now go and, and make many disciples in his name. That we can now go and baptize nations in his name. That we can now go and, and be a testimony of the living Christ. Yeah, God fulfilled it. That which God said he fulfilled. And look at the context, what comes right after that. Right after that, he says, now what? You did this out of ignorance. And in your ignorance, God was fulfilling a plan. But look what God says through Peter in verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Just because you did it in ignorance doesn't make you not culpable. Just because you did it in ignorance doesn't mean you haven't sinned. You don't need to repent. Just because you did it in ignorance doesn't mean that now you, you, you don't need your sins to be forgiven. It's sobering. And part of this resurgence is a sobriety that is coming in the body of Christ, that we do have a responsibility before God, and that, yes, we are accountable before God, and, yes, we will give an account to God as to what we have done in His name. Have we fulfilled the assignment? Have we yielded to this, this plan that He has preordained for our lives? says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And I wanted to look at that verse. The word repent is the Greek 3340, metanoio. And uh, it is to change one's mind, to change one's purpose. It is to 
change the inner man, particularly with reference to acceptance of the will of God, repent. It is to turn around and go the right way. It is to renew your mind to the will of God. It is to allow the Holy Ghost to conform you now to the perfect will of God, that you fully submit your life to God. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. In the Strong's, that verse reads, Repent then and turn back, turn back, revert, go back, so that your sins may be wiped away. And the next verse is, The times of refreshing. And that word refreshing is recovery of breath, revival. So times of reviving, brand new breath comes into you. So that this new hope, that you be livened up with the life of God to be resurged again, to undergo this transformation back unto life again. Recovery of breath, a refreshing. Properly, it is to breathe easy. How amazing. God wants us to breathe easy. And take note of how it happens is when we renew our mind, when we turn away from, from wickedness. We, we actually just did a dominion conversation with the boys here and their young men. They're not boys anymore with the young men and, um, one of the, the, the points of conversation is a, a turning back to God. It is this place of repentance that when we catch ourselves in a trip up, missing the mark, caught in sin, caught in a snare, we don't just stop and just live there a little longer. We awaken back to righteousness and we turn back and we come back to truth and we allow this refreshing to breathe easy again, to have a sound life, to have a sound sleep at night, to have a good life before God. And that's what the message is about. It's this this renewing, this reawakening back to who we truly, truly are. Verse 21. Oh, and of course, from the presence of the Lord, it's from the very face of God. Times refreshing comes from the very presence of God. They come in my fellowshipping with the Word. They come with my fellowship with the Holy Spirit. They come from a place of prayer, of communion with the Spirit. This refreshing is when I come in the presence of the Lord, and if there's any conviction of the Holy Ghost, we repent. We change our mind. If we're going that way, we turn around, we go the other way. And we make adjustments. We make adjustments and at that moment there's a refreshing. Great grace is granted through this gift of repentance. Great grace is granted that we can breathe easy again to know I'm good with my father. I'm good with my father. Nothing stands between me and him. And on his end, nothing ever stands between my relationship with, with him because the blood has washed all things. But it's more in my consciousness, in my memory back. Me being conscious of sin, me being aware of some uh, shortfalling, that that is where I just take the blood and I, I repent and I start seeing the right thing in the right manner 
so that I have no clutter when I look to my father. I have a, a sight that is free to see him fully as he sees me, as I'm seen by him. So, and that, oh, let's do 19 again, because they kind of flow together. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, this is regarding his return, to send him back to us again, whom heaven has now received, heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. And that word is restitution, the time of restoration of all things. And I believe this is what we are undergoing right now, a restoration of all things because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. He's coming back for a pure bride. He's coming back for us and we'll be found without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back in, in the fullness of time. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 58, I believe. I have my ribbon here. Yeah, Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you continually. And satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. He shall be like a, you, you shall be like a watered garden. Well refreshed you will be. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall Rise up, raise up the foundations of many generations. This is the restoration of all things. To raise up the foundation of many generations, a restoration of the generations, a restoration of a sight back to God, a restoration that we hear continues. You should be called the repair of the breach, the restore of streets to dwell in. Places of safety in the body of Christ. Places where the sheep can come and, and, and graze upon the lush, the green grass and the living water of the word of God. Places where there will be no harm in our midst. Places where we know who we are and, and who has us now. Places where the oneness with God is so, so on my mind at all times that I have been fully transformed to understand that if God be for me, nothing can be against me and I can live a life allowing the world to see this resurrection life of glory to be reawakened again that I will be refreshed from the very presence of God as I turn back and even that the context of Isaiah 58 is regarding the fast that God requires is to lift the burdens the heavy burdens off of people Let's go to 1 Corinthians now. Keeping in mind all things work together according to his perfect will. Keeping in mind because I love him and because I'm called according to his purpose, according to his purpose, all things work good for me now. 1531. And because of it, because of this divine reality, actually let's go to 2 Corinthians first and then we can come back to first. 2 Corinthians 4, read that one first. That I can take heart. 
I can take heart. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, this ministry, this ministry of the Spirit, this ministry that we now can behold the living Christ as in a mirror and be transformed in this, in this, in, in this, in his likeness, that we can undergo this transformation from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. So now that we have this ministry of the Spirit in our midst, we can take heart. The tail end of verse four is chapter four, verse one is do not lose heart. But renounce the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness. Not walking in craftiness. Conniving. Evil plannings. Trying to fix this to match, to line up with that. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Because we live life before God. We live life before God. You can fool some people on earth sometime. But you can't fool God. We can't fool God. And I believe this reviving that is happening in the presence of the Lord is really recognizing I am in the sight of God. I am in the very presence of God. There's no hiding there. And thank God there's no hiding there because then he can help me be transformed when I behold him. He is working a transformation that that which made me stumble over there doesn't have to make me stumble in the future. That which made me trip up would not be a trip up place right now. And so we don't lose heart. Because we live before God. This is good news. Good news is you live life before God who loves you, who gave his son to die for you. In the midst of your shame, in the, in the height of your sin, Christ died for you. He loved you when you were unloving, unloving, and unloving towards him and not very lovely. Not very lovely. So how much more now that we are in Christ, how much more now that we have this newness of life that is by the Spirit, that He will not work all things out for our life. So why worry? Why fret? Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Don't let him blind you. Don't let Satan blind you. Blindness is not the, our portion in the body of Christ, but sight is our portion. You see, we live in the sight of God. God is a seeing God. God is the all-seeing one. And because we live before the all-seeing one, we see. We see, we're not blind because we believe. Because we believe, we see that Satan has blinded those that are of the world because they do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. And then verse 6, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of 
darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this is the ultimate resurgence. This is the ultimate reviving. This is the ultimate awakening. This is coming into the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We live before the face of Jesus Christ. We live life before the one that loves us and he is pure light. We live in the light. And there's nothing dormant in the light. There's only life in light. No one sleeps during the day. Praise God. The day is made for us to be awakened from sleep. And so, verse 7, I love this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure this treasure of the Holy Ghost. We have this treasure of living life before God. We have this treasure of divine reality. We have this treasure of quickened life in earthen vessels, in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed. We are hard-pressed. This is reality. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, not destroyed, not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. This is it, verse 10, always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus, this charge of life, this living reality of Christ Jesus may be manifested in our body. This is what Christianity is about. That we now, through this earth and vessel, can manifest divinity on earth. That we can manifest Christ the Lord on earth. The very one that laid down his life for you and me. We can actually, by conforming to his image, demonstrate who he is. This is what Christianity is. It's a living reality of fellowship with the Father, of demonstration of the Son, of the movement of the Spirit. Verse 11, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. And we read in, in Romans 8, 13, that this is truly the work of the Spirit. This mortification that happens to the outer man, so the life from the inside would live, is a work of the Spirit. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. So when I, I submit to that death of crucifixion when I identify with his death I reckon myself dead so that now his life can live in me and produce life in you so as I die you live how amazing is it as I reckon myself dead I'm actually imparting life divine that is of God to another this is us being a life-giving spirit so we can now bring forth resurgence to another we can bring forth reviving to another we can bring 
bring forth resurrection life to another. We can impart and demonstrate life to another. We're not just living life for ourselves. We're not living life just for, just for me, myself, and I. But it's to bring glory to God in this world. And now we can go what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. I can read it, but you can go in 15 where we're going to go right before this. 31, Paul says, I affirm by the boastings in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> I affirm, he says, I die daily. What an affirmation. <laughs> what an affirmation. And all of us want to cry, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. He says, I'm affirming to you. I die daily. This is the glory of the Christian life. Why? Because death is a doorway to resurrection life. I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If in the manner of man I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? What a persuasion that he can, he can have a persuasion to know I gotta die. So that part of my, of the rising of Christ gotta rise up. So I'm willing to die so Christ be seen in me. So Christ be a reason in my life. I die daily. He said then, you know, if there's no resurrection after death, then, you know, everything is in vain. It's in vain. He says, let us then go just eat and drink and tomorrow we die. But what he said, verse 33, do not be deceived. And look, uh, look, look what he says after that. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So my associations have a lot to do with this arising. My association have a lot to do with me walking this Christ life on earth. And so what does it say? Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. I speak this to your shame. Which means we have something to do with the world knowing about God. And we'll give an account. We'll give an account. And thank God for that accounting. That we'll hear that moment, well done, good and faithful servant. We'll be found faithful to the end. We'll be found faithful to the end. Romans 13, 11. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. It's time to wake up. It's time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer, <laughs> nearer now than when we first believed. It's nearer now. If you got born again this morning, you, right now, right now, right now, by noon hour, you're a lot closer. 
to his return than you are when you, you got born again this morning. Nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us fellowship with light. Let us fellowship with those that are of the light. And let us be a light to the world and see them come to God. Let us love. Let us love. Let us walk in the light of his love. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him rise in you. Let him rise in you. Put him on. Put him on display today. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. No provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So then... Let's go to Ephesians 5. It's the same, pretty much. Paul's writing again, but to the Ephesians this time. You know, in the context of what he had spoken to the Corinthians about bad company corrupting good character, here we see it in Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. There's a lot of empty words out there. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you're light. Now you're light in the world, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is the accept, what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are, all things, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, everything will be exposed. Light, we are fellowshipping with light and it's all coming out. Therefore, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. It's the times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Repent. Turn around. Come back. Come back to Christ alone. And he will give you light. And verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And that's what he spoke to the Romans, right? To know the time. Know the time. And what was it in verse 13, Romans chapter 13? Here in, to the Ephesians, he said, because the days are evil. And to the Romans, he said, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep and so this is the message today i have a few more verses which i do not think we'll be able to finish at this moment but this is this is the message is wake up wake up and know the time know that this is the hour to shake off the world know that this is the hour to walk in resurrection life that you already have. Know that this is the hour to fully yield to the plan of God.
and where you have been ignorant. He's still working. He's still working. He's still working, making all things right for you. Glory be to God. We are done. Amen.